0: Here we go.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Design Recharge. This is a special episode. It's a Saturday episode because sometimes my guests have full-time jobs and they can't take off. So luckily, Dan gave us a weekend, and I think it's kind of nice every once in a while to break it up and do a weekend kind of thing. So I'm excited to have my friend Dan Lee, and Dan's going to be sharing um, some things from his heart as well as how he's gotten so good and his at hand lettering. And he's doing hand lettering with pen or ink and paper, pencil paper, as well as digitally. So we're gonna kinda talk about how that changes who he is. But did you know that Dan, I mean, if you follow Dan at like on Instagram, Dan drawn words, did you know that Dan actually has a master's of engineering? Not hand lettering engineering, <laughs> regular old engineering. Which I think, Spoilers. I know, pretty incredible. So I always find it fascinating for people who have done something different and how how lettering or design really adds to their life. So, mm-hmm. without further ado, let me introduce you to Dan Lee.
0: Yo, good morning, and uh, er,
1: it's morning. And of, it's morning for it's morning for everybody but you.
0: Oh, good. Okay, never mind. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Diane, thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here uh, in my room, but also talking to all of you guys. Um, I guess I should talk a bit about like what I'm doing now and then backtrack from there. Does that work?
1: That's good. If you like, tell us kind of how you got into um, design and lettering. And then that kind of pulls us back. So you're in perfect and then Tell us kind of a little bit because I did a spoiler with I just <laughs> so I was like this is crazy.
0: <laughs> it is crazy. Um, okay, so right now what I currently do I'm doing I'm a graphic designer for the Chamber of Commerce for Greater Philadelphia. It's a nonprofit that works for businesses in an 11 county region. I've sort of memorized that spiel at this point. Uh, we've got an in house design team and we just do. They have lots of events and programs and we're in charge of coming up with looks and collateral physical and digital so and every once in a while we get a really cool project like um book covers or a or, uh, gala like looks for parties um but I didn't start there I was a chemical engineer uh well I should even backtrack further I've always loved art and design and drawing um and all through, I think, junior year of high school, I was pretty convinced that, like, I would go to school for concept art or or some kind of art or design. Um, unfortunately, junior year was, for me was also 2008, so there was kind of, like, there was that big downturn in the economy, and I think it was on my mind in particular, like, I didn't have anyone in my life telling me that you can make a living doing design or art, uh, so I thought, That's not practical. If I'm going to go to college, I'm going to pursue something technical. Um, So I went to school for engineering. I decided that engineering was the way to go because it was kind of broad. And then as far as a particular concentration, it really boiled down to which kind of science Mm -hmm. that I disliked the least, uh, which at the time was chemistry. So I was like, chemistry, engineering, chemical engineering, that's a good one. That's a lucrative one. I'm going to go and try it out. So I applied. I got a really good scholarship, so that kind of locked me in. I went to Drexel. They have a five-year program. And while I was doing it, I also decided to get my master's in it just because they had.
1: Was that the five-year the master's was included?
0: No. Actually, uh, it's five years in general, whether or not you get the master's.
1: Undergrad.
0: Undergrad. Wow. So, But when you add the master's, it doesn't add time. Which kind of tells you something about how intense it got, uh, particularly in senior year, um,
1: Which senior year?:
0: My'm sorry Oh, college senior year?
1: <laughs> right, right, no, but which if you had five se- five oh, years, yeah. you had your first senior year or your second senior year, right?
0: Um, we actually call so the classifications at Drexel were I don't know if this is official. I think it's unofficial. No, no, it's official, it's in our transcripts. Um, It goes freshman, sophomore, pre-junior for year three, and then junior is year four, and senior is year five. Um, So senior year was when all my master's classes happened, Mm -hmm. all at once. And we have, at Drexel we do quarters, so it was all like, it was 10 week terms. Mm -hmm. And we're cramming in like all these master's classes. So that was probably the hardest year of my life but I made it through. Uh, After graduating with that degree, I was looking at jobs, sitting in, like, senior seminars, and there was something about, like, hearing about the career options that uh, did not sit well with me. Like, it's it's a hard to describe palpable feeling of, like, despair. Mm -hmm. In a sense, it's like I don't resonate with any of this. I don't – I appreciate it so much at this point. You know, I'm sitting there. I understand – the appeal and like why we need it but uh I was like this is not for me and I don't know what I'm supposed to do about that um I ended up taking the year off thanks to the like I have the ability to take the year off which I'm really grateful for I decided to like look talk to lots of people um in in different uh industries I talked to some management consultants I Made a connection with some art people, uh, and then I started doing it then too. just
1: So doing in it. Philly, you were making connections with some art people, or online.
0: Uh, I, online through like my parents through friends, yeah, uh, my biggest online connection or my biggest like not local connection, my aunt or my cousin's aunt, so like a few families removed worked at EA in Canada and she, we connected and she invited me up and while I was there, she introduced me to concept artists and graphic designers and just taught like, they looked at my stuff and we talked about the careers and what I needed to do. And it was fantastic. Cause that was when it started becoming apparent to me. Like, this is, this is plausible. You know, this is something that you can make a living out of this is something that you, that also I had the ability to do. Like there, it was the first time I think I'd like met professionals who looked at my work and said, you can do this. You are good. Right. Um, so and that was huge. Is,
1: this was just you learning uh, or practicing on your own. This is not like you took, yeah. I mean, maybe you took some art classes in high school.
0: I wish I really wanted to We had me. an art. No, I didn't. I was oh. just, I was drawing all the time though. Um, I actually have, I made uh, like a a comic, a very small one, let me just pull it up. Uh, When I was in college, that described pretty much my entire high school experience in a nutshell.
1: (laughs) Uh, Especially because we had
0: summer terms in college, which was insane. Uh, but, you know, it worked out. Uh, but, yeah, I was I was constantly doing... How do I get back to my video? So, at
1: Sorry. the very top, there's a red button that says stop screen sharing. There we
0: go. I was doing graphic design. I was drawing all the time uh, through high school, through college. So, in that sense, like, I had sketchbooks full of things to bring with me and talk about.
1: So... How did you start studying design then? And then what happened? So you took the year off, you Mm -hmm. met the aunt that's not your aunt, but somebody else's aunt, your cousin's aunt, which is a little confusing. (laughs) It is. We'll just call her my aunt. Okay. Aunt Judy, she lets you come (laughs) up to Canada and kind of see what it was like. And then was it kind of like, wow, I didn't realize there was this world. Or did you already know there was this world? You just didn't realize how big it was.
0: I think it was that I realized it and never knew that like had an idea that I could fit into
1: um. it.
0: You know, the big thing for me is like, I don't have a degree. I don't have the background. There's things I need to learn. I feel like an imposter. How do I break into this? Um,
1: I think. So what, that I yeah. So how did you get through that imposter syndrome? And did you start studying or doing skillshare or what did you start doing? How did you connect and, and become because you're, it's not like, it, I mean, it looks like you know what you're doing, you know? <laughs>
0: Whew. Um, yeah, that's a great question. I, I would say I just kept doing it. That's mm-hmm. the main thing. Going to Canada, talking to those people, they helped me realize, like, I don't have to feel like an imposter. I just need to practice and do more. I did a lot of exposing myself to the work of things people that i thought was really good so like hanging out on behance uh and dribble and honestly the lettering is what got me into the world so much faster Hmm. um i started posting on instagram and that changed i think that changed everything
1: so that was kind of my next question so sweet your education was different because um you studied engineering Mm-hmm. um but how, so how did lettering and sharing these pieces because if you were just lettering on your own it's different and yeah. just practicing it takes it to another level when you start sharing what you're what you're learning right
0: mm-hmm. totally um i think sharing on instagram it, it did two things for me one was it provided a sense of like self-accountability because you're putting something out there and you realize like if you're not constantly doing that, then it it doesn't really make sense to just be doing it like once every, you know, month. Cause then why even share? It's like you're trying to build a body of work for yourself and also to an extent you have to consider that you're posting for an audience. Right. And so that that was a driver for me. Like I need to post this, not just cause I want to show off, but more because this is gonna keep me practicing. Uh, And I know that there's an expectation that people, you know, are going to look at these things and I can interact with people about these things. Uh, But the second thing, the first one was accountability. The second was the discovery of a community. I literally had no idea that like there's this huge thing with lettering. I didn't even know it was called lettering back in the day. I you said leather
1: Um, and I was like, (laughs) maybe there is a leather community. I bet there is. Uh, Anyway, Maybe they um, make journals or something the letter <laughs> right yeah
0: leather crafting
1: yeah leather craft anyway back no, to lettering check that so out. what year is this that yeah. you start posting and
0: good question uh july 2014 i remember this very clearly because it was like my year of self-discovery
1: so was this <laughs> Was this, you had, what year was this when you were working? So you had taken a year What year did Mm -hmm. you graduate?
0: So I graduate 2014,
1: June. June. And so
0: that's when I start being like, I'm going to do freelance work. I'm going to like make connections, try to like find people to hire me for art. But I'm also going to be trying to discover if that's what I want to do or if it should be something else. Uh, And so I remember I'm wandering through Philly July 2014, I've got a notebook and I find a coffee shop because, you know, I'm a millennial. So I go in and sit down and I'm like, I want to do something creative. What can I do to push myself? Uh, So I open up this notebook and I decide like, you know what, I'll I'll do type illustrations. And this idea came to me mainly because in Philly, we've got tons of murals. And I remember like taking the subway to my internships for a while. We had this whole series by uh, Steve Powers. I don't know if you're familiar. He's like New York City. He does really like pop art and a lot of mural stuff. And there are just tons of murals on the walls as you go on the subway. And those always kind of stuck with me because they would just be simple sayings, but the fact that they're so big and so pretty makes you stop and think about it. And I realized like, as I'm in this coffee shop, July, like. I could try that. Like I've always drawn words. I always, you had been fascinated. Always drawn words. Yeah, kind of like I, ever since I was six, I do know this. I loved penmanship because to me it was drawing the letters. And so my, my teachers were always like your son to my mom, like your son is a printer. Like he's really good. And to me, I'm like jokes on you. I'm drawing all day. Like this is fun. Um, and then like through that, When we got word processors, my dad had calligraphy books. I'd always be copying those. But it never occurred to me like that's something you could do like long-term, bigger scale or let people like really like looking at those. Uh, Until – so I sit down with this notebook and I I decide to um, uh, come up with something. I actually collected some of my old – like this notebook. So I'm going to – See if I can pull that up on Screen Share, and it's funny because it was so—it's almost prophetic at this point.
1: So Johnny said that's the best sales pitch I've ever heard for good penmanship. Yes, tell your kids. <laughs> so this is uh, in July of fourteen, right?
0: It is. Yep, it was my first ever. Like, oh, I can do cool things. There are some mistakes in there now that I look—you know, like the ends. You don't make those, technically, you don't, you're don't. you not supposed to make, like, the sides of the end, the bold strokes, but I didn't care. This was my first thing, and it felt really good, and I started posting this, like, on my private Instagram. Um, here's a few more that I've got. It's like, to me, it was the possibility of coming up with different styles to make different sayings come to life. It mm-hmm. was super exciting. So and- were
1: you, so there is an, so and I think uh, Terrence actually kind of, t- um, or Colin, one of them taught me this. There's a difference between hand lettering, which is like drawing letters, and then there's a difference in calligraphy. So where do you fall in? Are all these like drawn letters or are you writing the letter from get go and it looks like that?
0: 100% writing. Okay. Yeah, I, I loved the, uh, the the process of, baking calligraphy, you know, like, I, I remember trying like a pen once and being frustrated because obviously you need to practice to get good with this. <laughs> um, I'm like, why can't it be perfect? And I thought, you know what, let me, um, let me draw it instead. Like, this is when I was copying my dad's calligraphy books. And I was like, well, this looks pretty good and I can erase it. So it, that practice kind of stuck with me. The ability to shape the letters yeah, um, and, and a go
1: lot, back. Yeah, a lot of years have the, you're doing, um, you know, two strokes and you're leaving the inside. I saw somebody recently, they taped two pencils together and they made that. Ooh, that's able. a good idea. I know. It was like, I've never, I mean, you have to obviously work bigger or have itty bitty pencils. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's true. So keep that in mind. That's a good idea. Um,
1: so, Terrence, we? Terrence says that it, you're, Your stuff is awesome. Early work, amazing. I I think that this has something to do with that you were looking at good design. Oh, yeah. And and you were emulating. um, You weren't just doing. And I think maybe since you were six, you were looking at what a letter looked like and emulating a master, right? Absolutely. Just like the way Da Vinci learned.
0: The fact that there were so many, like my dad's books books. And then just signs or book covers that I really liked. So I think there's something to be said for, like, developing a taste, Mm -hmm. surrounding yourself with good design, uh, that you just kind of let it osmote. I don't even know if that's a word. The osmosis of it.
1: I think that it has to do with um, developing a palate. Uh, so I think you have to, if all you eat is McDonald's, no nothing against McDonald's. I don't want to get sued or anything. But think about it. All if all I ate was McDonald's, what's going in is not the best, and your body's gonna. Oh manage.
0: yeah. It's
1: the same way with visually, you have to eat better visually. So, but maybe where you were and what you were exposed to, you were able to eat better visually from. The beginning like six years old
0: I was blessed I think so yeah and I would love going to bookstores and just looking at like the book covers that catch your attention too you know like libraries there's so many things so obviously like the murals in Philly too those really stuck in my crawl
1: so Johnny asked or kind of stated that your curiosity kind of fueled your passion do you think true, that that's true yes
0: I absolutely think so. And I think that continues to drive my work because I get bored really easily with, you know, doing the same thing. If I, especially if I see myself doing what looks like I'm falling into a pattern, I'm thinking to myself, I need to push this. I need to, you know, expand it. It can go further. I think that's one of the the best things about art is you don't settle. Like you don't have to settle. You can always be trying new things if it fails you learn something about that you improve your previous work but you can't you know it's not about just being like okay this is my style I'm done only ever doing this
1: so with um, that kind of segues into the next question which is one yeah. of I think your strengths is your ability to kind of try and and I think really master a lot of different styles Thank you. and I think that you push yourself and I think that that it's a really good I, – I, and we've talked about this, about um, having fear about something mm-hmm. and, like, attacking it instead of just letting it control you. So
0: yeah.
1: um, do you – so some people may not know if they haven't seen your work, but um, you actually do explore a lot of different styles. And it, clearly you've done this – since day one, um, at least in your lettering, the book that you showed us. Mm -hmm. So different styles in your lettering. Can you talk about how that helps you as a lettering artist? And then how does it help you as a designer?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, That was kind of one of the first parameters that I set up for myself with the project. Actually, it's like this new piece needs to look nothing like the old one. Uh, And Hmm. I think it's, it is that idea of venturing out of your comfort zone in order to grow. Uh, like you don't know what you're capable of until you try it. And in doing so, you learn things about the things that you do already know. So for instance, you know the basics of the letter A, you can draw like a, a sans serif A, but then if that's all you ever do, then you don't, you don't know the intricacies that come with a serif A or a slab serif or a script. And then when you start mixing the different things about it, like it's almost like a human uh, discovering things about people. It's like, what do we identify as a letter A and how do we, what is the historically understood um, shape of it? And how do you, how do you push that? How do you emulate that? And how do you push
1: that? Did you know that, so like, this seems like a really good hand in hand with branding and with custom lettering for brands. Is that something that you're interested in or have ever been interested in?
0: It was, and then it might be again in the future. It's just that right now, uh, the logistics of like logo design and branding tend to get in the way for me of like really plunging into the art of it. Um... But yeah, like the concept of branding as a whole, that really fascinates me, I love that. It's like, how do you how do you create something that is so unique to evoke a certain brand, a certain idea, while at the same time, you're not confusing everyone to the point that it's unrecognizable.
1: Right, so how, how does that push you as a designer? Because a lot of times designers, um, we, so I think Joe Bosack is an amazing um, designer. So he's up in your area, Philadelphia, maybe. I don't know. I gotta look this guy up. You, oh my goodness! So he's been doing brands for um, sports teams, so big colleges, sports teams, NFL, things like that, for over twenty years. Um, and so to wow. so you have to be flexible as mm-hmm. a designer. So oh, this yeah. has to do with long term. Uh, success, not just mm-hmm. success as a drop in the bucket. So that's where I feel like this is a, a really good superpower of yours that you can kind of continue to explore. Yeah. But how does how does that in lettering push you as a designer? Do you see yourself trying different design styles? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's
0: uh, I think it teaches it teaches you humility off the bat. Uh, that's a huge one, I think, because. When you try something new, the chances are you're not going to be great at it because you've never done it before. So you've got to you develop this this sense of okay, I'm going to push to get better. I'm going to do what it takes to get better. If you if you fall in love with the experimenting and the uh, like the self improvement aspect, it distances you from feeling like, um, you know, this work is me, and more like this work is is is. What am I trying to say? I think it gives you a healthy understanding of um, how you can be better. And as a designer, I think that's important. Because if you ever think that you've made it, that's yeah. probably a problem. Um, so when you try something new, when you're constantly expanding that then you're, you're giving yourself permission to fail. You're giving yourself permission to not be amazing, but also to to be like constantly learning how to be more amazing, if that makes sense.
1: So there's a difference, I think. So there's a difference in, cause I don't want to like kill anybody's dreams. Like I'm just yeah. one thing, but I think that there's something about digging deep,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, really deep and being a craftsperson, uh, you know, yes. totally known for that thing. And then there's also, but you still have to continue to grow and push yourself, right. even if it's in that craft. But, um, you're kind of taking a, a, a broader approach. I do think you're really good at a lot of the style. I mean, I haven't seen something you've done that I didn't think you were good at. But, Thank
0: you. Yikes.
1: But, That's a high <laughs> bar for myself. But You know what I mean? Like, I, but I feel like you've been doing this longer than, uh, I don't know. Like at six, I was, <laughs> Come on, I'm going to really work on my letters. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. There was like an affinity toward this from the beginning mm-hmm. I think, for you um
0: and like that's not to say that it it can't just be fun rehashing of things that you think you know you know you're good at i think that's for me the thing not only am i pushing myself in certain aspects but sometimes you just don't have the capacity to and then that's when you can go back to the things that you're like i'm comfortable with this and create something out just for fun something just to like recharge Yourself. So,
1: so Kent asked earlier, and he's like, "We can come back to this." But I'm going to go ahead yeah. and jump because I asked the same question, Kent, the other day when Dan and I were talking. Um, how, did you ever get to use any of your hand lettering for Chamber of Commerce? You've got to tell yes. the
0: story. Yes. 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 Um. Oh man, this is where I I
1: should have worn that T-shirt.
0: I should. Uh. Let me grab it really okay. quick. I've got it here.
1: So pretty much they um, do let him do some of his lettering, and but they're always like, hey, do you have time? Could you solve this through lettering? I kind of gave him a little bit of the background.
0: A word. Um, what did you say?
1: <laughs> I said sometimes they let you and um, that they come to you and said, is yes. this time? Do you think maybe you could solve this with a lettering?
0: Project. yeah so we have you know we have a lot of very corporate events where a very like you know traditional font treatment or something is best fitting but every once in a while we'll have some exciting project or something that we can push the envelope a bit and one of those was uh we wanted t-shirts because we just rebranded and the team wanted to get everyone excited about the new brand. So we had a new tagline It's called at the heart of good business and our marketing director came to me one day and she said, I proposed to the team that we use your lettering to make a t-shirt. Is that okay with you? (laughs) I was like, yeah, gladly, you know, I'm doing it anyway, but um, we've got it here. We printed a bunch of these you See
1: that? Oh, that looks great.
0: Yeah, so we got our like our logo at the bottom, um, and we gave these all out at our holiday party.
1: So then, tell them what they said. What some of the oh, other? Oh man,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like just this week, actually, one of the um, one of the girls who heads up, ladies, one of the ladies who heads up, one of the our councils. She's uh, she. I was in LA meeting with some other chambers, and I was wearing the shirt. And they were so excited about, they're like, where, what is that? And I got to explain, like, these are our chamber shirts, yeah, this is our tagline. They were bringing people into the room, they're like, look at that, they get cool shirts. And people have been telling me, like, man, this is probably the coolest shirt I've ever got for, like, my company, like, usually it's just a a logo. Um, But this is, like, I can wear this outside, like, it's... (laughs) That, I mean that's high praise right
1: there, but not just to the gym, right? Like people yeah. are going to wear this because they they chose to wear, and that is exactly. That's, but again, that's exactly what you would want with any brand. You would mm-hmm. want people, especially like a chamber of commerce that may have kind of a, um, not as in some cities it might not be as, um, have a upscale kind of feel mm-hmm. as it should maybe.
0: Yeah, 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 absolutely. So I'm really fortunate that, you know, they understand, yeah, this isn't something you slap on everything, but it's also something that you can really use Mm. for particular purposes, like generating excitement, creating ownership, making something that people are proud to own. Um, I will show it again.
1: Yeah, thanks, Johnny. (laughs) And Kim totally was like, "She's that's such an awesome compliment from your coworkers. I know. Rock that shirt is just a great letterer too so that's high praise.
0: That's huge huge praise. Thanks Kim.
1: All right so but it's not that you're just exploring different lettering styles. I think another thing that you're great at is that you don't kind of get um, sidetracked into only using one tool. And so you've you you did say that you don't like the brush pens but maybe mm-hmm. you've explored and dated them a little bit longer I, you like Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, just,
1: I think that way with every, you know, like my students don't want to do anything but the trackpad. And I'm like, well, at work, you're probably going to have a mouse and uh, or yeah. a welcome tablet. You need to date those things so that you get better mm-hmm. at those things.
0: That's a great concept, dating with tools.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like people don't like Illustrator or they just like Illustrator and they don't want to use InDesign. And I'm like, mm-hmm. it's just another person you're dating. You've got to get to know them. Right. No, right. I don't like them. You know, you you open them up once for 30 minutes. Like, spend a little time, (laughs) you know?
0: So true. So true. But
1: so you also have explored digital. So Mm -hmm. what time period, when did you go digital, and then have you gone back? Do you ever go back to the pencil?
0: Yeah. So currently, I switch up, like, especially in my Instagram, if you look at the feed, I try to do, like, a pencil piece followed by a digital piece to keep myself limber that way. Before it was like exclusively one or the other. Um, I would say it was probably like 2015 when I had my -um, Wacom, Wacom?
1: Wacom. It's Wacom. If you go to their site and they call it (laughs) Wacom.
0: That's good to know. I I remember
1: that. Like Wacom upside the head.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I had that. Um, My older brother has sort of been my patron in this respect, which I am so grateful for. Like he got me this Wacom tablet, Wacom, sorry, Wacom Wacom tablet.
1: (laughs) At least Um, you're not saying Wacom.
0: (laughs) Wacom. (laughs) Uh, And I realized I could do lettering with this too. And then last year, uh, I forget what point, like May or June, I saw somebody using an iPad Pro and I thought I would love to use that. Really quick, funny story. One
1: year after you really started with pencil is you got the, you started to use the iPad. Well, you said July 2014. And then last year was twenty fifth. Oh no. Last year was 20. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's all a blur now. <laughs> um, let's see. Two years. Yeah. So it was like a year with the Wacom and then saw the iPad early 2016 my brother had this credit card that he needed to get this offer on. Like, you had to spend, like, $3,000 in order to get, like, 30,000 points on it. He texted me, like, what should I buy? And I said, you could get me an iPad Pro and an Apple Pencil, and that would put you right over. And next thing I know, he's like, okay, I got it for you. It should be coming in the mail. I'm
1: like, what the heck? That's amazing. Like,
0: it, it really, like, I can't what think of it. What does he do? He's a computer engineer. Oh, okay. So, he makes...
1: So, uh, yeah, so <laughs> but he's, I didn't know if he was like, uh, was he also artsy or he just loves you so much, he just wants to support you?
0: Yes, I think both. <laughs> the funny thing is he quit, or he, he will freely tell people this, he's like, I quit when I, we were like 10 because you were so much better than me and I was like, I'm not doing this. I was like, you couldn't, I used to look up to his art and so I was like, you can't just rage quit. Like, you could be so good. And so, like, right now we're at a point where we're sort of talking about creative things and how you can get back into it, which is super cool. But, yeah, like, he's always been, like, one of my biggest supporters. So shout out to Nathan. That's huge. Um, so he got me the iPad, and I just went hard after figuring out how to use it.
1: You dated it. Seriously.
0: We we were we recording. <laughs> we were On a great. regular basis. Oh, yes. Yeah, every day. I think so, <laughs> maybe longer than I should at some points. Like I was taking it on the train, I was doing it at lunch. Um, yeah, that which is why I developed sort of that trigger finger. So aspect. tell them
1: about it because some of them weren't here when we were. Oh, um, that's right.
0: That. Uh, so uh, iPad Pro, Procreate, there's some hand gestures that you can use to do things much faster. Like um, if you double tap, if you tap with two fingers, that undoes the last stroke you made. If you tap with three, it's a redo. If you like do your three fingers and shake it on the screen, um, that are, clears the whole layer. So, you know, because I'm spending so much time with this all day, every day, uh, I get used to these. And I hadn't, there was a stretch of time where I wasn't doing pencil lettering. You
1: like, hadn't gone back to months. your old girlfriend. Yeah,
0: <laughs> sorry girl, I, new right. kid on the black. Uh, I was like, let me, do another one because I kind of wanted to bring it back to my Instagram and I found that I, as I was drawing with a pencil, my left hand, it's like tapping the page to like undo the last <laughs> thing I made. And I'm like, this is so embarrassing. Like I've programmed myself. Right.
1: Instead like, of the eraser. Right.
0: Right. Oops. And so like, I had to remind myself to pick up an erase. And I also can't like tap to switch brushes found myself, like, wanting to do that. So even when I stopped tapping the paper, I could still feel, like, in my hand, like, this urge to... The twitch. Nope. Analog. So that that was embarrassing. Uh, And there's still, like, a little bit of that. But that's why I kind of try to do my time evenly.
1: So somebody (laughs) asked something earlier, and then we'll get to Jeffy's question. Asked about um, your stuff looks so tight um on paper are you adjusting anything are you just do you do a light layer in pencil and then go over or are you just really good and you don't make mistakes
0: i'm super i never make mistakes (laughs) no um honestly it's all about erasing like i i I find it very therapeutic the Mm -hmm. eraser aspect it's to me it's like sculpting in 2d because sometimes I can create a shape with the eraser that I couldn't have created with the pencil. Um, but to go back and answer the whole question, I usually sketch it out really lightly in pencil first.
1: Like what kind of um, hardness are you using? The HB, BH, what? Two. Whatever,
0: whatever I have. Oh, Which is so, usually, it's, so it's, it's usually not HB. we have a go-to. Okay. No. Um uh, sometimes I accidentally have B lead in a mechanical pencil of mine and then I'm like, this is really cool, it's so much darker. But I'm not like consciously thinking of that. Especially because right. like sometimes I'm just on the train or at lunch, you know. Um but I usually have like a medium, I'm sort of going over medium
1: trying doing to it place lightly. Yeah. Okay.
0: Uh there are times when i just plunge right into it and then had to erase more, but it worked out anyway. Uh but for the most part, I try to sketch out it, like, okay, I have this much space. I have these words I need to put in. How do I do that in such a way that it looks like one coherent thing, but also takes it the space, but also is cool. And so I think that like that challenge for me is the fun part. Uh, so yeah, it's place down a rough layer without any styles. And then I sort of go back and start sketching the styles in and then the, I usually go over three or four times, um, and then afterwards, take a step back, look at what needs to be sculpted with the eraser, things like that.
1: So, what kind of eraser are you using? Do you have like a really good eraser? Yes,
0: I do. Like a kneaded eraser,
1: or like a white dragon, eraser? or a um, pink eraser.
0: Uh, if it's a wide range, like if I need to, re- if I screwed up really bad, I use the Staedtler yeah, Mars plastic. So good. Um, I gotta have one here. The Pentel, I think? No, Paper Mate. I'm sorry. Paper Mate. Tough stuff.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, my gosh. These things are my... That's tiny. Yeah. Well, my work is tiny.
1: Get it closer. Uh, where's the camera? There we go. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's small.
0: This one has not been used, so they don't all look like this.
1: <laughs> right, but it's full. It's like a lead...
0: Mm-hmm. eraser and there's also this um what is this one mono's tombo mono zero so it's like even smaller than the other one. Ooh. and it's like square sh- or rectangular can
1: huh. you see that yeah and that one's been used
0: this one's been used so
1: kim has that one too and amy loves that one
0: it's so good it really is like it changes everything having the precise eraser because that Cause, way it really is like sculpting
1: right because then you're not and also maybe it's starting lighter and yeah going so but I I don't think we I've ever thought about um erasers so Kim says eraser shields do you use eraser shields no what is that I think, <laughs> I think you can lay it down and so um <laughs> <laughs> Kim saying pink pearls is not so great but I just know, haven't and so dated I dated it you can put it down and it has lines or circles and you can erase through and you can make these things right what? you need to we will we'll hook you up we'll get a link in the um in the show notes
0: this could change everything
1: <laughs> i think it's another tool you need to date
0: mm mm-hmm. mhm um, clearly thank you <laughs>
1: And it sounds cool. I have an It array. does, doesn't it? Ding, ding. Like that could be like superpower. That could be the shield. Yeah. A designer and the, the, anyway. That's perfect. Oh, so Doc, Doc just shared it. So
0: I'll... thank you, dude. So, um, and I think that the important thing with, for me in, in doing both is that there's strengths and capabilities for each that you can't really find in the other. The digital ones, you can just. Go at lightning speed, you know, because you can select, reposition, undo, copy, paste, change colors just like that on the fly. So you're cranking stuff out super fast. So it's good for experimentation in that respect. But the analog, the paper, the erasing, I think that lends itself more to like a thoughtful practice of what you want to do and how do you intentionally set about creating a piece because you know, like. There's a certain degree of no return. Like if you pencil too hard, there's gonna be that mark forever, things like that. Like you're committing to it.
1: Right. So. so um all right. So you told me how you pushed yourself to do things that weren't necessarily comfortable. And mm-hmm. that could be in life or in lettering, right? Yeah. Um that were hard. So how have you how do you um how does doing those things helped you both professionally and personally. And then what are some examples of the things that you kept doing even though they were hard?
0: Um, The first one that comes to mind is chemical engineering. (laughs) That was hard. That was really hard. Uh, The mindset that I adopted was, uh, I started off and I was like, I don't like this. (laughs) Uh, But I just started, so maybe there are things I could learn. I'll reevaluate at the halfway point. So I'm in the program, get to the halfway point. I'm like, okay, how do I feel about this? I still don't like this, but I've made it halfway. So I might as well finish it up. So (laughs) I sort of like made it through that way. But, you know, I think when you, you ask, like, how does it help you personally and professionally to do things that are hard? Um, I think it teaches you to be humble, Mm. to not depend on, Your own feelings of what a thing is to determine its value. Um, The idea that something can be good for you but not the thing that you love doing the most, and maybe like something that's good for you in the time too. Like now, I probably wouldn't just do chemical engineering because it's hard. Because like there's no reason for that. But
1: it also Um, gives you some grit, right? That you've been able to make it through, right. And you can like I always feel like if I lose my job and I I'm maybe not blind but I think that that would be a pretty bad thing for me. But something I could always go back to waiting tables, right? Like because mm-hmm. I could always make money waiting waiting tables.
0: Right, right. And that's the other thing I was thinking. Like it teaches you to always be learning
1: because when
0: you're doing something that's hard, you're confronting the fact that it doesn't come easily to you. It's not something that you're just like oh this is you know whatever. You have to be intentional about getting better at it or, or pushing through it and that requires you know, a sense of learning a sense of constantly learning of realizing I don't know I don't feel but I'm going to do it anyway and I think like in terms of relationships in terms of interacting with society I think that can be really helpful like on a broad level to realize there are certain things that I don't feel like this is going to be easy I don't think that this comes naturally to me but I know that it's a good thing and therefore it's worth pushing through and figuring out how do I access that personal drive within mm-hmm. me that allows me to do these things
1: so but I think a lot of times people um they'll start something and then they're like "Nah, this isn't for me so how much time do you think somebody needs to commit to something mm-hmm. to give it a good try and it I mean it's probably different for everything yeah I think snowboarding and uh snow skiing were different like yeah but if you just spent two days on your butt on a snowboard you would (laughs) get it quicker like the learning curve right right but like for you chemical engineering that's a long learning curve Mm
0: -hmm. Mm mm-hmm yeah um So it's like, at what point do you think, like, it's this is enough? I don't need to do it anymore. Kind of.
1: I think, yeah, and like, what in you can we replicate in us that, like, would help us? Like, hey, I'm just going to keep trying. I'm just. Mm -hmm. I do think humility comes into it for sure. Yeah, that was a really good point. But I think people give up too quickly. I think it's
0: goal setting. I think if you Mm -hmm. realize what you're in the thing for you can decide whether it's worth spending the time or not. And I think that's, that's, a, that's a whole other discussion, but one that I think is worth really drilling down into for yourself or finding ways to figure that out. It's uh, when, I, when I'm in this season of my life, when I'm in this practice, what I'm doing, um, how do I know, like that idea of how do I know when I've achieved what I was here for? Mm. Um, And for me, you know, chemical engineering, I realized um, there's more than engineering here. It's how do you interact with something that is hard? How do you finish well? Um, How do you glean everything that you can from this particular experience? How do you interact with people in your life who are doing things that you're not Like they're not your favorite, but it's their favorite and you need them. And like all this back and forth, I realized for me, there was a lot to learn from sticking with it um, as opposed to quitting, which I, I think there's a valid, there could have been a valid point at which I decided, you know, this is too much and I think I could have a better life or whatever, like by quitting and changing my major. But I think throughout there was a sense like I can still learn a lot from this. Mm -hmm. even if I don't enjoy every aspect of it. I think that's what kept me going, is realizing, okay, let me back away from the I hate the subject um, (laughs) to what is there in it that will help me in whatever else that I do in life, especially because I'm in college and because I'm sort of protected by this institutional setting, you know, to explore something at this time.
1: I guess it's also... In life it's not always easy. And I guess mm-hmm. it's just really really inspiring to me to hear you say, "Hey, it really wasn't a good fit, but I kept going because I and I still kept learning something about me from it and that I could still, you know, apply to other parts of my life later right. on." And I think just knowing that you got through it is going to give you confidence for future you in struggle
0: yeah and I I think it already has in a lot of ways so I'm grateful for that experience Um, and even like to back up further uh, I remember one of the first times I realized this idea like this is hard but I need to do it Um, I was extremely I would probably say I was really 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 introverted in high school and before and like constantly worried about okay, what do people think of me? Am I being too socially awkward? Uh, Why do my friends even have me around? I'm the worst. You know, things like, thoughts like that. Um, And realizing, okay, how do I step out of that? Because I think it's important, you know, even while I know there are parts of me that need to be introverted, it's important for me to play a role in the lives of other people and vice versa. How do I make that happen? Um, And so I... You know, I took public speaking classes. I joined the debate club, which was the worst experience of my high school life because it was so scary. I did, like, uh, I did like um, mock trial and drama club and all these things that were forcing me to go out in front of people and then figure out for myself, like, how do I deal with the uncomfortableness of this? How do I make myself a more friendly and more caring person? Mm. Um, and... Mm-hmm oh go ahead sorry no no, no. go for it
1: okay so ask... up... oh sorry
0: sorry go. keep talking i'm pulling up a, an image
1: so Kent, ask did you have a teacher who inspired this in you or your parents
0: i think it was definitely it was both uh my parents my dad he took the dale carnegie course and that he was super excited about all of that because you know in a lot of ways he would say that he was like that growing up like not outgoing but wanting to be Um, that influenced me a lot I also had a teacher my English teacher who uh, she was also our drama club teacher and she really like transformed I think I owe a lot of my experiences and drives to her her ability to like embrace all of us for who we were but challenge us to be more Mm. um, and kind of be the support along the way Uh, so there's this quote from the Dale Carnegie course or from his book like how to make friends and influence people which is like the best like no nonsense title i think mm-hmm. um and i lettered it for, not lettered i designed a little thing for myself um and put it like on my wall the year like when i was in college and when i was out of college so the very best way yeah. the very best way in all the world to overcome self-consciousness and shyness is to get interested in other people practice deeds of kindness, acts of friendliness, and you'll be surprised to see what happens. And it's a challenge because I don't think it's something you ever fully finish doing. Mm. Like there's always a degree to which you can be more interested in other people, which you can be kinder, be friendlier. But as you practice to the extent that you can, I think you do find that it changes you. And that happened for me. Like I found myself coming out of my shell because I would forget about myself more, you know what I mean? Like you would go out and it becomes less about what do people think of me? Like I think there's a degree to which that's always there, but when it becomes less controlling in everything that you do versus like, oh my gosh, these people have really interesting lives, background stories, even if just because I don't get it. You know, like I'm not you, I don't know how you did these things or why this interests you, tell me more about that.
1: So what year did you, Did you, I mean, your dad did the Carnegie course, like what, what age of you? Probably when I was 17 or 18,
0: like right almost before just getting out of high school.
1: So it kind of just was an impressionable phase and you took it. Yeah. Because he was so passionate about it. Yes. Oh yeah. Maybe if your English teacher hadn't kind of set that stage, you might not have been as uh, pliable. I think so.
0: I think so. I owe, I I owe a lot to them for that. So,
1: but then you also share, so we have like 10 minutes left. Oh my gosh. I know. So we have to talk about the level ups, but we also have to talk about the faith. Like (laughs) you're, you share a lot about, um, you know, you share Bible verses. You Mm -hmm. also share just a lot of things that are inspirational and motivational. I mean a lot. Um, And so why is it important for you to share that part on social media?
0: That is a great question. I've been thinking about that a lot. I think one of the main things is the sense of integrity that I think is being, it's easy to lose sight of online, you know, because it's easy to just be either fade into the background or become someone that you're not, or like do whatever's easiest. And it's always been important to me that I try to be the same person wherever I am. And it's challenging because, you know, faith, and your religion and your beliefs, it's not something that everyone in the world shares. And you also don't want to be surrounding yourself only with people who agree with you 100% on everything. Um, And in that respect, you also don't want to become like just someone who has no beliefs, you know, online. So it was a challenge to me, because I know that was like a default mode to kind of want to be a generic happy things sayer, so to speak. Uh, And I decided, you know what, like I need to be who I am everywhere that I am Uh, But in a way that is still like speaking to and caring about the people around me and in that respect, I think You know sharing things from scripture that are meaningful to me and that I believe are meaningful to everybody that Became like an easy way to be like, okay. I am consciously putting myself out there How I see the world. This is my worldview I'm willing to interact and and in another sense, you know, putting things online is, is a kind of passive interaction. So there are, are certain aspects of things like politics and religion, you know, that you, if you just put them out there passively, it can do more harm than good, because you're unable to get into the nuances of, okay, let's connect on why we believe these different things. Um, so that's been something in my mind, too. It's like, how do you balance this? something that will serve people and encourage and like pique their interest in talking about deeper things while avoiding this, you know, I'm going to make a sweeping statement without any nuance that ends up miscommunicating.
1: Do you you think it's helped you start conversations or people to start conversations with you either about things that they're struggling with or how you deal with issues?
0: Yeah, I think so. Like it, it, it gives gives my faith a voice, so to speak. It helps me connect with other believers and also have conversations with people who aren't, wouldn't call themselves, you know, Christian or believer. Um, and then have that conversation in a better context than like, you know, a Facebook discussion board. So I think that's huge. It's it's living out who I am and using this particular context for what it's good for. Um, and then on another note, like, seeing God as the creator, believing that he's the ultimate designer, there's a sense in which I feel like he's pleased when you emulate him in that respect. So it, it gives a drive to my art, knowing that this is one way in which I can image God. So that's, I think that's, that, does that kind of answer your question?
1: Yeah. And that's super powerful. I think that's really, really cool. So, um, Thank you for sharing that. So then there's this other, so when you're out there sharing, sometimes mm-hmm. you need kind of a, a safety zone, especially if you're sharing stuff that may be more controversial or yeah. could be um, something that you feel really called to do and you you need some support because you know you're going to get maybe some feedback. Mm-hmm. So you have this group that you're a part of. It's a Slack group, and there's a bunch of people um, that I've interviewed that I've yes. interviewed that's in that group. And it the level ups. But when you call them <laughs> the other day, I said it sounded like level ups, like you're like, <laughs> like some sort of. Um, you
0: say it's like a kids like yeah, show, like, like, like the Backyardigans, right,
1: the or the Oopaloopas or something. Anyway. I
0: apologize <laughs> to all my level up society <laughs> brethren. <laughs>
1: So, but what is that group, how has that group played a role in you, your growth and also, um, just as a support? Because I feel like, you know, everybody can't join the level ups, but what they can do is get a group where they're mentored mm-hmm. and they're supported and, and, yeah and challenged.
0: Yeah, that's, um. The question is like what did what why how has being, that
1: helped you and helped? how long have you been part of it and yeah what does okay. it serve to do for you
0: i'm coming up on a year or so of being in this group my buddy eric friedenson who F dot E F D O T, if you guys look him up he's incredible um and he reached out to me and really made this happen uh one of the key things is it helped to diffuse my star struckness mm-hmm. like <laughs> i think like it's kind of funny, but I think it's also true. We can easily like there are two ways to dehumanize people. One is like a particularly obviously negative one where you feel like you can do whatever to them because they're longer really people. It can be really negative. There's a more subtle one, like the celebrity attributing celebrity status to somebody can be dangerous because you forget that they're like you in a lot of ways. like they have struggles, they have ups and downs, they need support, et cetera. Um, for me, interacting with a lot of these people online, I was sort of falling into that mindset of, oh, these are celebrity people, they're so good, there's no sense of like their struggles and weaknesses, even though they will talk about it. You'd just be like, oh yeah, you know, of course, but you're superhuman. So this group really helped me kind of get rid of that idea. Um, it's these guys I really looked up to, people like Scotty Russell and Scott Biersack, uh, Winston Scully, Terrence Tang, um, these are just like the guys that I knew before. Like right now, I would say everyone in that group I definitely look up to in those ways. But before, you know, these are just people who you see online. Um, so getting to know them as people taught me in a lot of ways how to diffuse that celebrity status thing that makes it you know almost impossible to connect with certain people. Um, One of the things we do there is people will post things for feedback, uh, and that's super cool to see people use their areas of expertise, people like Winston and Scott who've gone through type at Cooper and are really knowledgeable about the intricacies of typeface design. Um, People post like logos they're working on, and then they'll get constructively torn apart in the best possible way. It's like move this R, change the counter of your A, it'll flow better this or that way. Um, so there's learning from that. There's We also do a weekly call, which like a, a, a hangout, so to speak. Um, we've been kind of bad about being able to get into one because everyone's schedules are crazy at the start of the yeah, year. That but That
1: would be hard.
0: Yeah, but when we do, it's always great. There's this structure where we talk about things that – we're struggling with and then things that we're planning to do Um, and so it provides that sense of tangible accountability people can ask how are you doing on this project we talked about Um, or give ideas for you know you could really your newsletter you could do this you could talk about that this struggle that you're going through I think if you pull from what you learned from this and that like the conversation in itself is tremendously helpful and then of course we just have fun. You know, it's like you when you find the people who are passionate about the things that you're passionate about, you can just nerd out about it and know that they get it. That I think that changes a lot. Like that you, for me was transformative.
1: You guys also help each other push to the next level, so you're not able to just stay um, at a coast.
0: Yeah. You
1: yeah. Exactly. I think, and I think that that that's an important part of of the uh, any group that people start where it's a accountability and Mm -hmm. right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Pushing, always pushing yourself, letting other people push you, but in a way that you feel, you know, it's always positive. It's not like a comparison game. It's a, we're all doing this together kind of game.
1: So Jeffy asked a great question. We're going to end with this one. Sure. Um, I think that's, that'll be a good place. Yeah. Um, Do you think that not casting the celebrity status on someone will will allow you to connect with them? I know that often I scare myself out of connecting with somebody I think is a celebrity.
0: Yes, 100% yes. And I think, I feel like a lot of like celebrities must feel this way. Like you just want that human connection and it becomes, it's this weird catch 22 where as you become, like more people become aware of you, the less people you feel like you can actually connect with because they'll just get, I feel like they just get starstruck, forget about interacting with you on a personal level um, or like they dislike you for becoming famous or something, et cetera, et cetera. I think remembering the inherent human dignity of other people and being able to always interact with them on that level is super key. And I think you also forget that they're willing to do that. Like that's one thing that like going to Creative South She didn't get to talk about, but that's fine. Uh, And meeting a bunch of my heroes and going from full geek out mode to, oh, these are people I can have conversations with. Like that transforming effect for me, helped me grow in a lot of ways. And it goes back to forgetting about yourself a bit, I think, like we talked about earlier. When you're talking to someone who's so interested, so passionate about this thing that it's afforded them this certain status So if you can get them talking about that and, like, really be interested more in them than in, like, what can I get out of being associated with you, Mm -hmm. um, they will recognize that. They will appreciate that. And you can build, like, a human connection as opposed to being, like, I love your work. You're so amazing. And I just want you to, like, how did you get so amazing? If you go to, like, what are some of the struggles that you have? How did you get to where you are? And then just connect on, like, random non-work you know stop I mean I think it's easier said than done for sure but when you can find the context to do that I think that's super helpful so that's why I like things like conferences things like mentorship
1: that's where sharing things online before you go to a conference then people get to know you mm-hmm. and then they feel a connection because you've been vulnerable right
0: <laughs> yes oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. putting yourself out there and realizing like this is not the best work in the world, but I'm willing to like show that to people, willing to be vulnerable. I think that is huge. Or
1: even payoffs. in your in, in your messaging, you know, like what you've what you're sharing, like really connects. The message really connects yeah. with somebody, and then they feel like they can talk. And I think that that's a beautiful yes, yes. Because then a conversation can start. And I think, um, I think I love the Dale Carnegie. Carnegie Carnegie whatever (laughs) Andrew is Carnegie I know for sure (laughs) all the same but um anyway I I really appreciate that you do share and that you are easy to talk to and thanks and that you want to really talk to other people and so I feel like that that um that's a, a blessing for you and that you've learned how to kind of come out of your shell. Cause I just don't think of you as an introvert. Right?
0: <laughs> just wait till I get like invited to a party on a day that I've been to parties all week. Then it really comes out. <gasps>
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, but, we have to have our boundaries, you know? Yeah. So true. Well, I'm going to, um, wrap it up a little bit and then we can sure. talk a little bit after we get uh, stopped the recording. But yeah. next week is a regular time, two 30 Eastern, 1130 AM Pacific. We have Joseph Carter Brown on right Wednesday Joe, on Wednesday. Yep. Thanks for that. Um, and he is going to talk about it. The whole name of the show is in defense of fear. And Joe does a lot of design stuff. He um, has kind of an interesting background in how he went to school and learned. And he really came out of his shell also, total introvert. and You would never think of Joe as an introvert at all. So I'm super excited to have him on the show. He's a board member of AIGA in Baltimore and is really doing some really cool things there. But just his life, like what he's done – and how he steps out is really, um, I think it'll be inspiring to people. And I think sometimes we do get star struck with the level ups and we maybe whoever is our star, you know, And but they are, we just really appreciate their art. And I think everybody, I think Dan, you like to know that somebody appreciates your art, but you also really like to know that you have a connection on the message or something. Mm-hmm. So I feel like very open to talking to people about how you've grown or how they can grow or yeah. whatever, right? Absolutely. So I want to make sure everybody knows um, audio wise, I'm gonna make sure that you can um, you will be able to get to these places. So I'm going to read these URLs. You can follow Dan. Dan has a couple of different um links, I think, uh, or handles on instagram i believe but the one we've been talking about today is at dan drawn d-r-a-w-n words with the s so d-a-n-d-r-a-w-n-w-o-r-d-s and then you can also find him at dan lee, L-E-E design studio.com and then you can find him. You, he has a little store on Threadless. So, dandrawnwords.threadless.com. So, check him out and maybe you'll find something. Uh, um, and Amy said, maybe we can call Design Cheap Recharge Cruises the level ups. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, anyway, I'm super thankful that you were able to be here. And Thank um, you, Diane. Really blessed to have you as my friend. And I can't wait to see you at Creative South, which we'll talk about in just a second. (laughs) All right. Thanks guys.